episode 72 with the great Greg DeVries is brought to you by our sponsors, Good Leg Clothing and Parkside Brewery. Head over to Main Street, pick up a couple items from Good Lad's new fall collection, and on the way home, pass by a government-owned liquor store and pick up some Parkside beers, and then head home, relax while you're wearing your new Good Lad clothing apparel. Enjoy this episode with a U of A great in Greg DeVries. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Hoops Journey. Uh, This evening we sit down with a legendary baller from British Columbia, made his way out to Alberta as well. If there's a record book for basketball, he's probably in it. Um, was mentioned in the episode with Mr. Don Horwood, and uh, I'm going to talk to him right away about our first introduction, which he won't remember, but let's do the first introduction here and say welcome to Mr. Greg DeVries. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Aaron. This is going to be a good time. You got it, man. And don't worry about talking about yourself. It'll be fun. I think you have a great story. I think you have a lot of elements of your story that maybe some young hoopers will be able to relate to or um, people that don't know your story will learn more about you. And and as we talked offline, you know, that is kind of the point of the show, right, is you know the name or you know the face, but then when you hear their voice and kind of get to know a little bit more, it just makes it that more connected and, and kind of fun, right? So a, thanks for supporting the show, and B, how's life treating you, man? How are, how are you and the DeVries family uh, handling themselves these days? Well, we're doing well. You know, uh, the last year was tough, right? Like, I was coaching uh, senior boys at Abbotsford Senior, and so it was a disappointing loss of a year last year, as every coach had and all the seniors did. But it's uh, the family is good, the family is healthy, and we're really uh, enjoying the opportunity to see more of each other these days without the restrictions that were faced in the past. You coaching again this year coming up, or what's your plan there? Uh, probably not. We've got uh, Brent Chiquetti's probably going to bo- roll through with his boys that he's been coaching up since uh, middle school. So I'll play a little helping role here and there and uh, cheer on the boys from what I can do. There you go. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. I think just sort of someone was asking me the other day, like, how are you guys going to be? I said, I'm not really sure. I know we have like, we're yeah, like we're grade 11 heavy. I know that, but in terms of, I, I can't remember what anybody's like. So I think the first month or so is going to be an interesting time. But uh, like you say, uh, you know, our school had our homecoming last weekend and it was just fun to have more people out and, and, and around and things like that. So starting to get there a bit. So I'm going to throw you back to 1995, probably April. <laughs> Coach Horwood has myself and a gentleman by the name of Jason Mahar come out to uh, to ID camp. You guys oh, are fresh yeah. off the national championship, and we end up staying at Pete Nectel's house. Uh, for the, <laughs> Peter. The CIAU trophy was in his bedroom, and I'll leave the details out, but on the Sunday after when Coach Horwood picked us up to drop us off at the airport, I don't think he thought we were going to make it on the plane. I'll let everyone figure out the rest from there. But uh, <laughs> Needless to say, I thought we had a good time. But uh, we went to, you guys had a championship dinner. Um, and we went to this like steakhouse or steak and lobster house. And like, yep. I was like literally sitting to your right. And I was like, Mar, that's Greg DeVries. And we were just like 
<laughs> we were literally crapping ourselves. You did not. No I swear, way. I swear to God. And, but this is the funny thing, right? Is is how old are you? Uh, forty-seven. Right. So you're. I'm turning forty-four um, in a couple weeks. Here, you're three years older. So now it's cool. But back then, that feels like a big gap, right? You know, we're yeah, we're sure. seniors in high school, and we're sitting next to. Uh, you know, a, a one-time national champ or two-time national champ and MVP, right? So yeah. you probably don't even remember that, but uh, those are my memories. And then Coach Howard, of course, gave us crap for, well, Mahar made his way back, but uh, my path took a little bit of a different <laughs> journey. So did you ever did you ever get a chance to meet Jay or know Jay? I never got a chance to like okay. get to know him, but I do remember when you guys were up there and I do remember the dinner that we were at. And I'm just hoping that I was nice to you at least. I hope I wasn't just like a big jerk. Oh, no, sitting, not at sitting all. beside I mean, you. Like, I mean, you know, but you know how it is, right? Like some dudes get so full of themselves at that stage in their life. That's just like, uh, whatever, man. And so hopefully that's not the way I treated you, but you never I mean, know. we are sitting down on the podcast, so I think the dinner did go well. <laughs> okay. Well, at least your evening went well that day. It was. Yeah. Peter was a great host. We'll leave it at that. Peter knows how to do it well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump right into it, man. Um, you know, I got some good friends. I, I I know. I don't know if you know the Naka family very well. Absolutely. Played with Ross, the oldest brother, at Langara for a year, and then you know Paul basically stayed in my townhouse when I was in college every summer when he was on the provincial teams. And you know Nelson and that that kind of area is it, it's a different place and it's a, it's a cool little community. So tell us about yourself and what life was like growing up. Don't even sure if that was where you're born and raised, but this is the fun part. Now I get to sit back and. To share a little bit about who you are and how basketball came into your life. Well, my parents were both born in Indiana. No way. Yeah. Parents are Hoosiers through and through. And uh, my dad was a ball player down there. And of course, this was, shoot, back in the 40s, I guess, maybe. But he remembers being recruited by Purdue University. The limo was big black limo was driving out in the country roads. Just think Hoosiers and those cornfields. And that was my dad's life, right? Wow. So he was recruited by Purdue, but he was too scared to go there. He ended up playing at a NAIA school called Taylor University. Had a good career there. And if anybody hasn't heard of Taylor, they need to check out Silent Night on uh, YouTube. What they do is every year on, I don't know what day it is, but they all, all the students dress up and nobody says a word at all until the home team scores their 10th point. And then they go absolutely ballistic. Like, it's just super cool. You got to check it out on YouTube. You'll love it. It's pretty fun. I think I've seen this. I just didn't know that it was called Silent Night. Yeah, I think it's like the last day before Christmas holidays or something Uh, like that. Okay. Okay. So. Wow. What a tradition. Yeah, it's a pretty cool tradition, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's super fun. Anyhow, uh, mom and dad, they moved up to uh, northern B.C., when he first started teaching, he was a school teacher and basketball mm. coach, and he lived in a little place called Port Simpson. So, yeah, so I was born actually the same weekend that Don Horwood brought up his Oak Bay Bays to play my dad's team in Terrace. No California, way. Kermodes. Yeah, Kermodes. Yeah. That's right. So we moved to Nelson. Dad had a job down there, and uh, that's where I started playing ball. So now I had brothers five and eight years older than me. So they were ballers, and, of course, my dad was a coach, so – that was my life, right? Like I was always on the team bus watching all these guys play and just dreaming about the day that I would be able to play high school basketball. Mm-hmm. But 
something that is so different in those small towns is there's nobody else playing. It's just me, right? So I would be out in my yard every day, all the time, shooting hoops. And every year at Christmas, I'd get a brand new basketball because I wore the other one out. Like, you know how when basketballs get those little bubbles on them? Yeah. They're so old. That was every year, right? Because it's what we did. So yeah, I just balled in the driveway and played a ton. And the thing that I really, uh, I've heard you talk about so much with guys that are from the lower mainland is how many how you encourage them to play with other kids, right? Mm-hmm. And play up in competition and play uh, just, you know, whatever, across town, just go find games and play. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great a great thing for you to be telling them because I sure missed out on that. When I was mm. growing up, when I was growing up, we could only get in the gym once a week. That was it. I had to beg guys to come to the gym so that the coach wouldn't get, wouldn't just say this isn't worth it and not open the gym, right? Yeah. So even with your dad being a coach, or is this kind of when you're older, like in high school kind of thing? So my dad was yeah. a coach, but once my brother got to high school, he said he wasn't going to coach no more. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. I was counting on a different coach. And so my brothers kind of had a little struggle with the coaches they had. Small town, it's just not a big deal, right? Yeah. But uh, the coaches that I had in high school were very motivated. They were really eager. Dean Studer, he grew up in Kelowna, and he was eager to get us into – you know, the big tournaments like the, the KSS tournament, what's it called? The Western Can and the Emerald and such. And he never succeeded with me, but he did succeed with another fellow from uh, Nelson called Brad Barakoff. Yes. And got him into those tournaments. Played with Brad at uh, Langara, man. What a beauty. He could yeah. fill it too. Holy smokes. You know what? We, we were given the green light, Brad and I, in our times. <laughs> and yeah, we knew... We could find little edges and put it up, that's for sure. <laughs> he ended up at U of A too, right? That's right, yep. Yeah. Brad Barakoff, where are you, man? Reach out. No idea where you are. Good no dude. No question. Yeah, yeah, he was a great, great dude. dude. You know, my dad was a ball player, so when we moved to Nelson, he played in the uh, men's league, of course, and that was called the NBA. There right? you go. Nelson Ba-dum. Basketball Association. Yeah, yeah. But then he would get a trophy with NBA MVP. So, of course, I'd steal that thing and take it to school and be bragging about my dad, eh? Like, he's the NBA MVP. The problem is, in Nelson, none of the kids cared. Because you got to put yourself back in that time. There was maybe one game on TV a week. And uh, so, the other kids are like, what's the NBA? And I'm thinking, dudes, this is awesome. They're just waiting for Hockey Night in Canada. Exactly. So, what was it like? It sounds like it it wasn't a pressure thing. It was just you were around the game following, you know, the annoying little brother on the bus, following everyone around, like little DeVries, you know, get lost kid, right? Picking up picking up tape, water, whatever you needed to do. But you can still hear a little bit of the frustration in your voice. What was it inside of you? Was it just kind of established early on that you were a competitor and just wanted to really excel at it? Or just you just love shooting in ball? Like, I mean, was it a combo, a little bit of everything? Conversations with dad? Absolutely. A little bit of everything, you know. You know, my brothers, I certainly looked up to them. They had good success. My brothers, uh, they went to Trinity Western back mm-hmm. when it was still playing in the college league. And they were uh, league all-stars. And one of them was an all-Canadian. Yeah. And so I, I still remember being out in the backyard. Uh, and I was just eager to be like my brothers, right? The dream was to go to college, play ball. And of course, like most Canadian Hooper's dreams is to go down south and play ball, especially because I ate up the whatever I could find on TV, right? I just watched that stuff constantly. So I still remember when my when my dad found out my brother got an all-Canadian, I was shooting outside and he came out to, you know, talk to me and he says, uh, he rebounds a shot and passes it out to me. So he says, so your brother got an all-Canadian. 
what are you going to do to top that? And he didn't. <laughs> like, it sounds terrible, right? But he didn't say it like as a, like a challenge, like you're a loser. He just kind of said it like he was just so proud of his son. Right? And more power to him. But of course, Almost you like know, you can't top it kind of thing. Like, I'm so proud of him. It feels like right. he's the, the pinnacle. Yeah, yeah. That's right. How could you possibly? Like, this is amazing. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, with my kind of attitude, of, I was like, well, I'm going to be an All-American. And then he just kind of chuckled and shook his head and, you know, walked inside or whatever. But but that yeah. was just kind of my attitude. Like, I, those brothers, man, I had to try to catch up to them. They had big shoes to fill. And as you progress through high school, I know this is where things get really interesting. I mean, the numbers are coming up. Like, we've all seen you know, the 82 in one game and things like that. When do you realize, is it grade nine, 10? Are you playing senior in those years that you're like, okay, I fit in, but how do I continue to, to pursue this? You know, I mean, you're, you're up in Nelson yeah. where in a time, and you've talked about this and I, I don't know if you tried out for the provincial teams, always hard to crack that. If you kind of didn't have the name, there's still some political things there, you know? So yeah. how do you get where you want to go? I mean, I know there's some cool stories along the way, but you've got, you got big dreams. Oh, big time. Right. And so, yeah, I went to everything I could. Like I went to camps. Uh, Northwest basketball camp was a big camp down in Spokane that my family would always go to, like my brothers would go to, and then I would go to. And then, yeah, I always chased that uh, BC team and the super camp dream, but I always got cut and I never quite understood it. Right. Like I thought I was good, but I think it comes back to really, I just didn't have competition to really improve against right to really highlight my weaknesses and force me to get better because mm -hmm. man i was a superstar in the driveway right because i'm playing against shadows but uh i still remember the first time i ever heard of like two ball dribbling and i was in middle school and i went to a clinic in uh, castlegar with john lee kudikoff yes of course and uh he was an interesting character, I'll tell you that much. But anyhow, yeah. <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever heard of two-ball dribbling. And it was like mind-blowing, right? It's like, poof. And uh, I just ate it up. And so, yeah, like my high school coach, like I mentioned, was really eager as well. So he would be, he'd be feeding me like uh, coaching clinic manuals and stuff like this to try to just enhance my understanding of the game and give me drills that I could even do individually like that from these coaching clinics that he got. Mm -hmm. you know clinics with bob knight or whoever else right so it's pretty cool and was it the same sort of environment i mean you know you guys made the bcs and had a couple runs or were you know was it a new a situation for you in terms of were there a couple guys that kind of were also into ball or was it kind of you always trying to pull guys in still it was pretty much a try to pull guys in so mm -hmm. you know it's i don't i hope it's not just extremely cocky to say but in nelson i was the best basketball player right it was a guarantee yeah. so in a lot of ways scoring was something that i did a lot of often i'm not sure anyone would really argue that throughout my career right so in grade 11 we went to provincials and uh you know we thought we were half decent but we ended up 15th so you know what that means you're playing your last game at the uh, toilet bowl hour in the toilet bowl gym yeah. and uh so you know i still we whatever we battled kid him at to 15th place and and <laughs> but i was i was six points <laughs> away from the scoring record right and i thought that was pretty cool at the provincials mm -hmm. but of course it's in 15th place so what who cares but i know i was watching the final with uh agassi versus lambert park okay uh, david dick versus brendan graves and uh, my Shout coach, out Brendan Graves. There yes. you go. That's a guy you got to get on. I know. 
So, he was a beast. Yeah, he was. Yeah. This university coach who I'm introduced to couldn't give me the time of day. Like, not the time of day. And, like, my coach introduced me to him with the idea of, you know, maybe you might be interested in this kid later, right? No time of day. So, of course, there's just more fire in me to to improve and, you know, try to prove people wrong. And so you're watching that provincial final and you thinking to yourself, this is where we got to be. This is our notch for next year. Yeah. Where are the yeah. BCs at this time? Are they down in the mainland? Or are they? Uh, that year they were in Spring Valley in Kelowna. Okay. And and then the next year they were in Lambrick. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So they just kind of rotated every year because I played double A, right? So as before it was in Kamloops kind of solid. They just would rotate around right. or whoever would host it. Yeah. So grade nine and 10, I wasn't good enough to play senior ball. I just played, uh, you know, junior ball. However, I did get to play in the Agridome in grade nine. My Bombers, the senior team came down and they they were, of course, number 16th ranked. They played number one, Pitt Meadows. And I got on for, I think, 35 seconds at the end of the game. And Derek Welsh, I gave him the easiest steal ever. I tell you, man, it was, I can still see it. I dribble across half court. And of course, like a scared freshman, I pick up the ball just a step across half court and I'm like, you know, looking around mm-hmm. and I throw yeah. the softest pass and he just picks it and he's gone. Shout out to Coach Goulet, still got Derek Welsh on the floor at there this you point, go, right? Hey? You know, like, <laughs> well, that was a run and gun game. I think Rest they had set a record coach. for the uh, most points in the game, that too. Oh, really? Game. Yeah, I think they both had like over 100, well over 100, I think. Wow. Down in the Agrodome. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Coach Goulet. Welsh, so, you got DeVries. Oh, yeah, no, he was not saying my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not at all. And then so that senior year, it's go time. Like, you know, and, and you guys yeah. and you make a good run and, and things go well for you. And yeah, there had to have been someone catching on to the, the basketball scene a little bit with you. Yeah, certainly yeah. there was a little bit of interest, but I'll tell you, I mean, let's face it. It wasn't until I scored the 82 points that anybody, anybody really actually pursued me. Had it not been for the 82 and for my provincial performance, I would have gone to Trinity just like my brothers. Tim Tier was the coach there at the time, and he had been recruiting me to, to play there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 82 just opened up a lot of doors, right? Like So that game, my coach, the other starting guard was sick, and so we had a shortened bench. I think we only had seven guys that day. It was our last league game, and my coach came to me and he said, listen, I ain't taking you out tonight, and... These guys have been talking smack about us, so I want you to put a hurt on them. So, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, all right, we'll see what happens. And so, yeah, I mean, shoot. I just kept shooting and attacking, and I did come out, but, you know, with about three minutes left. And, you know, then he told, leaned over and he said, you got 82. And I was, you know, that just blew my mind. I had no idea. That is, that's wild. Curious, though, up to this point. Is it frustrating for you? Like, are you feeling like, where's my shine? Like, I, I'm okay with going to Trinity and playing there, but uh, like, did you feel, was it, was it hard? Was the recruiting process or lack of kind of a little bit annoying or was you just like, I'm going to do my thing and whatever happens, happens? You know, it was really, I still needed to figure out where I fit, right? Because mm. I could do awesome in all these different tournaments and such, but uh, we brought in Richmond to play that high, that year up in Nelson. We, uh, they were number one in the province, of course, and we flew them up to play us. And, you know, I could battle with them, 
-hmm. But you never know. Can you actually, are you actually good enough to just be on on, as a one man team kind of thing? Right. Can you play? And so, you know, I was confident that I could go to Trinity and play, but I, I didn't, I didn't see beyond. I just really didn't have an idea. Hmm. Yeah, after that 82. So then what happens? Like, yeah, well, shoot. I mean, John McKeechee is, you know, mentioning it on Sportsnet or whatever that sports talk that, that night. And it was just like, whoa, man, this is crazy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So then, I mean, that was right after that, we went to provincials. And in provincials, uh, you know, we finished fifth. So for anybody that uh, doesn't know you, that means you lost your second game and you won everything else, right? And, uh, that was crushing because I really thought we were one of the four best teams or could have been, mm-hmm. but you know, we did what we could. And, uh, Jason Watson out in Agassiz and the, they had two seven footers. We just couldn't compete with them. And that was, you know, we lost by five or six, whatever it was in the end. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So there I set the record, I beat the record in three games. And so the last game was just gravy as far as the scoring record there. Let's repeat that for a sec, though. You beat the scoring record in three games. <laughs> well, so yeah. So the fourth was a freebie. For the people that weren't understanding what was just said there, the four-game scoring record was broken in three. <laughs> Day four was a freebie. I'll let, yeah. you, I'll let you listeners let that sink in for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> you know... I do got to drop it just because I've been beat by St. George's so many times, but I did get 61 against St. George's. Yeah, you did. Who was on St. George's then? Of course, that's a far cry from the St. George's that they are now. Like, uh, they're they're much better now. Before, nah, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) But you can still say it to people in the know and they'd be like, oh, nice. Oh, that sounds really impressive. yeah, you don't have to give a year. You, you've aged well. You could still pull it off. You know, it could be, it could be prime St. George's years. <laughs> it could be. It's just not nearly as mm-hmm. impressive if you knew the truth. But that's okay. <laughs> Amazing. So talk about this relationship of, okay, so, you know, high school ends up finishing for you. You know, you you give it a good run. You give it everything you have. You're satisfied with that in terms of what you could have brought to the table. And how does the man himself, Donnie Horwood, just kind of come into your life? And where does the connection from U of A, because I mean, you couldn't have found a a more perfect fit for you. You know, I mean, you just took things to a whole nother level. And, And this is what I love about the show is is the timing of things for people and the connections with people and how people come in and out at the certain times. It's really wild how it happens because, I mean, who knows if you go to Trinity or if you end up going somewhere else, but it's like, it's like you and Don at the same time, we're surrounded by a bunch of guys. I'm talking way too much. You tell us how that happens. Cause it's super cool. Well, coming, I mean, I was fortunate that Horwood came from Oak Bay, right? Because he had buddies at the provincials who saw me play and they told him, you got to check this kid out. And even beyond that, Horwood recruited me sight unseen. He didn't have an ID camp back in the day. And he just called me up and he, he made the connection that it was uh, uh, like uh, Ed DeVries' son, the guy that he had coached against. So just based on that connection and his buddy telling him, hey, you should check this kid out, he, he offered me a spot. So, I mean, it was just the confluence of events, right? Very fortunate. What does that say about coach, though, right away? Just his... Um 
just his loyalty and his faith in other people, right? Not being like, this is kind of my show, but like just to have the trust of other people that were in his circle to go, all right, I'm going to, I'll go for it. And whoever, whatever happens, happens. And it's on me after that. But I still trust these people enough. Not many people out there like that. You know what I mean? If I'm making totally. sense with that. Well, and it's not like he came in and saying, DeVries, like, you got to come here and I'm going to give you all kinds of time and blah, blah, blah. He made no false promises. You know, yeah. he told me, I want you to come. I've heard you pretty good. Maybe you're not good enough. He says, but I'd like you to come and we'll go from there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't going with the wrong impressions, despite the fact that I did because I'm a high school kid and I'm a fool. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, no, for like, sure. Let's be frank. But before I go beyond that, I do got to say Horwood didn't mention on his podcast when he mm-hmm. went there, his, he was introduced as coach and he was at his press conference for being introduced. And he told everybody, I'm going to win a national title here at U of A. And the press laughed at him. Really? Yeah. Like they just laughed in his face. And they're like, whatever. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. And I love the fact that I went and played for a man that had that kind of drive, determination, and foresight. Like, this is my goal, and I'm going to go do it. And you guys can come along for the ride or not, but we're going to get it done. I'm very blessed to have played for Don. Yeah, absolutely. Step on those first few days at U of A campus, right? Talk about that and just the group and special times that you had over five years, right? You know, two national titles, three finals, a couple All-Canadians, memories to last you a lifetime you end up in the can west hall of fame like it goes on and on but <laughs> it's funny you as you know you listen to the show i chat with my leadership class and i tell them all the time i say listen if you come back in six or seven years and you look me look at me or i run into you somewhere and you say high school was like the best time of my life i'm like literally i may put my hands on you you know like <laughs> like just go and follow your heart take some risks get out there yeah. and those years are like I still university years, man. What a time! And yeah. you're in the heart of it. You're in the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Must have been such a great experience. So true. But I'll tell you, if there's if there's one reason I agreed to do the podcast, it's for this. <laughs> right? Only one? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if there's one that pushed me over the edge, that said I would do it. Right? Okay. Like I told you, as most high school kids, they're fools right? They really are. A hundred percent. I came out of high school averaging 38 points a game. I thought I was the cat's meow. I thought I was going to go to U of A and be starting by Christmas, right? Utter clueless. And so I want the kids to hear the fact that I got there and I was terrible. Like Mm. I did not deserve a Jersey, let alone playing time. Right. Mm. And there was so much growth to do. And I think some high school kids, at least some of the ones I've come across, they think it's going to be easy. Right. And they kind of forget the fact or they don't really understand the fact that you're talking about going to play against guys five, six, seven years older. And that five, six, seven years is a big deal in the, you know, that age of life. And so, yeah. It was rough, man. I tell you, coach at one point was talking with his other assistants and one assistant said, I think we should just cut him, right? About me. And quite frankly, there was times where I was playing like, you know what? I kind of hope coach cuts me because I'm kind of scared to death. I'm not doing well. And it's a real struggle, right? It was really hard. But, you know, he kept his faith in me. He took me aside and just said, listen, man, you are acting like you're scared to fail. 
That's mm-hmm. what you're doing. And you're not actually giving me the effort that you clearly must have given in high school to do the stuff that you did. It was a real turning point for me. And it didn't happen until, like I said, you know, maybe mid, mid to late September of training camp where it was like, okay, he's not going to give up on me. He's not just going to send me packing. I'm not going to quit, but I've actually got to sell out. And even if I sell out and don't succeed, I still got to sell out. And too many kids, I think, are, uh, are willing to pretend they're selling out but they hold back that little bit and then they can say, well, I didn't really sell to themselves. They can say, well, I really didn't sell out. So I, I could have if I, if I would have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like coach just never really gave me the chance. No, I hear you. Yeah. And, and just also too, like for young people, like don't equate playing time to being part of a team or a culture, right? You're, yeah. This is a guy who you literally said you played and you sat, came out with three minutes. Like we're not pulling you unless you say, you're out like that's how much you played in high school yeah to go to all right i may get four minutes tonight on friday and i might get none or i might if i play okay yeah. on friday i might get eight on saturday that's and right. i was dropping 82 like five months ago right? right so don't equate that to playing time equate it as part of the process you know and five years so much stuff can happen it's such a great point too is these are grown men. You're just such a bonehead at 18 turning 19. It's like, you know, yeah. zero, you know, unts about life. Right. And that's right. And I, and I mean, I was a young guy entering school too, right? I was 17 when I went to university. I was the same. So, yeah. So your second year you turned 19. Yeah. It's, yes. it's huge. It's you huge. You know what it's like, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. I still remember, I'll never forget, you know, the first, first practice of training camp and I pull up for a jump shot and I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'm telling you, the guy was so far away from me. I was like aces in high school, but Clayton Pottinger, you know who that is? Shout out Clay. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. He (laughs) comes out of nowhere and just blocks it right in my face. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is a different ball game up here. (laughs) (laughs) The first year was rough, right? Like, you know, it was crushing. It was really crushing because the first road trip was to UBC. Mm. That's my hometown or my home province. Anyhow. Yeah. And I had a bunch of uh, buddies that went to UBC and I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. And of course, then it, it, I didn't make the traveling 10. Mm. Right. So I'm sitting at home. And uh, so fortunately, I had another guy, uh, Murray Cunningham, who yes. was sitting at home with me. And so we just we made a routine of working when the team was gone and or. Uh, when we were at home and we'd have shoot arounds and everybody else would go home, we would stay in the gym and we had a great conditioning game that we created where you'd run back and forth across half court. Every time you cross half court, you got to shoot it from half court. If you make it, it's, if you make it, it's five points. Okay. If you, if you miss it, you got to keep getting your rebound and shooting for either three for a three pointer or two, uh, or one, two outside the key, one inside the key. As soon as you make a basket, you got to go to the other end. Right. And then you got to get to 31 and you got to get 31 exactly. Well, so every time you make, you, you sprint down the other end. You, you shoot from half. End. If you yeah. miss that, take a choice. Okay, gotcha. You got to keep, and, you, and you're just going, right? Because you're trying to get 31 as fast as possible. Well, we'd play like best of seven of that game. I'm going to so, guess the U of A court was a little bit bigger than the LV Rogers Bombers home court, too. <laughs> you yeah. got that yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we had to, right? Because we, were, we would get in for literally two minutes a game that year. So if we ain't training and, you know, conditioning ourselves, we're falling behind, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So 
yeah, Murray was a great, a great cat to have with me. And we pushed each other and we, we improved together. And really, you know, our, our careers are, are thanks to each other, really. Yeah. Right. Murray was a beast. And, uh, he was a beast. He was a great guy to play with. That, that was going to be, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you, you talked about this sort of independent basketball lifestyle growing up as a young person. And it, I guess it seemed like it took a while for you to get back to that once you stepped on campus or, or were you still working just as hard, but you didn't realize like, Hey, I can walk into the butter dome anytime I want and get shots up. Like, do you know where I'm going with that? Yeah, I do. Realistically, the first little while I was so overwhelmed physically and mentally that I, I didn't work out by myself. I didn't train by myself. Like training camp just took so much out of me. You just that, go back uh, to your bed and f- try to figure out what happened, hey? And crash. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I went back to my roommate, like, a you know, I never knew the guy, but he found out I was trying out for the basketball team. He's like, why are you trying out for the basketball team? You'll never make it. And I'm like, dude, you don't even know me. He's like, I don't care. You'll never make it. And even if you do, do you say, he says, you'll never play. So <laughs> when I did make the team, I made sure to bring my gear home and like lay it all over my bed and all my sweaty gear and stuff yeah, so that yeah. he would be really bothered. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> also funny too, like if you think about that and how hard that process was, if it came a little not, I don't want to say easier for you that first year and you do make the traveling team, but then you're 10th guy, you're not getting these workouts in. You're not gaining that confidence back, right? You know, you maybe get in at the end of the game and try not to turn it over to Derek Welsh. You go back to the hotel, <laughs> right? You get up for the shooter at UBC, but they boot they boot you out the minute shooter's over because they don't want you to play anymore, right? And then you're not getting that work in. So just Absolutely. interesting how that all rolled out for you. I, I just, I find that really intriguing. Yeah, it worked out. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better end result, right? Who yeah. knows how it would have been differently, but you're right. You would have, I would have missed out on those opportunities. And me and Burry really built a bond through those times too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, pounding Which each you other. ended up needing for, who knew three years down the lo- road, you'd still be leaning on each other in the same exactly. manner, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Pretty yeah cool. The only difference for me between high, uh, grade nine and first year university was instead of passing to Derek Welsh, I was giving the easy turnover to JD, JD Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Also another guy we got to get on. Yeah, absolutely. So then year two, all right, how does that go for you? What does that look like? Do you go home and train in the summer and then come back ready and, and knowing that you, and it's, I also find this the best part about Canadian hoops is you still got four years left. You right? got that right. Like you get through your first year, you got four years left, man. Like yeah. that's a long time, right? It's huge. It's huge. Especially for the growing up aspect of it, right? Physically and mentally. Yeah. So when I was out there, uh, the Alberta, whatever, Team Alberta, summer basketball, asked me, they said, Hey, if you want to stay in Alberta, we'll put you on a spot. We'll give you a spot. And so that was pretty tempting to play U19 with them. But there was just that. I wanted to come back to BC and I wanted to play Team BC, mm-hmm. right? I had never made Team BC. They'd always cut me. So I came back to BC and I tried out. Uh, and so Bob, uh, Bob Corbett and Vito Pasquale were the coaches. And I tell you, that 
was a really awesome summer for me. Oh my goodness. They built so much confidence in me and just playing with those guys and training with guys like Andy Wilmot and Greg Meldrum, Steve Nash for a good portion of the summer. It was fantastic. Like that was a, it was a great, great summer. So my confidence level went from like negative or zero to, you know, I can, I can do this. Like I can play against with the people my age. Right. So yep. like I got an, I got an all-star at junior nationals and uh, we lost to Ontario in the final by a couple, but, but I was there. Like, so I realized that I could, I can be there. Now the deal is I got to make sure it happens before my fifth year. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Fair I don't yeah. just want to play yeah. with guys my age. I want to, I want to compete with the guys that the older ages. So uh, going into my second year, the U nineteen uh, was awesome. Hey, oh, it was phenomenal. I, yeah. I I really would love to see that back. I thought it was such a cool model, and yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I really yeah, enjoyed a, it. It's a real loss for the for the provincial program to not have that team. I really think it is. Yeah, yeah. The development was just fantastic, and Bob, like I said, Bob Corbett, man, he was he was a fantastic coach for me. He really. He really built me up and improved me, right, in very some very specific ways. And uh, so That's if awesome. I, whenever I see him, I'm always quick to thank him because he was a great coach for me. That's great. Shout out Bob Corbett. Good yeah. name drop. Legend. So second year, I went back to school, and uh, for whatever reason, Corwood only kept two two-guards, uh, myself and Dan Van Huren, who coaches at uh, Calgary yep. now. And... Uh, you know, he was a fifth year. I was a second year. And so I was nipping at his heels the whole time. And so we could have had a really negative relationship, right? He could have really treated me poorly, like squashed me down to try to get his time. But we were able to, it's all thanks to him. We were able to work together to be the best two guard that we could be for that team. Right. And so we knew going into the game, Dan would start. I'd come off the bench and whoever was rolling better or got things going right that second year, they'd get more time that game. It's just mm-hmm, the way it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really uh, speaks a lot to Dan's character to be a fifth year and to let me nip at his heels like that and yet still encourage me. But it was a great, a good year, right? We didn't, uh, we didn't succeed as much as we wanted to. We made playoffs, but lost in the first round, best of three to Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a good improving year from, my two minutes of game the year before. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise that he's, I mean, when you hear a story like that and to be kind of competitive, but also selfless at the same time, it's no wonder that he's been able to build, build such a great program at the UFC. Right. And, you know, get yeah. to a national championship and, and win one. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Win one. And yeah, for sure. He a great character. I'm really yeah. proud of Dan. Yeah. It's awesome. And then, I mean, 94, man, there, it must have been so many pinch me moments, but talk about the, totally. you know, the ones where, when did the Golden Bears realize, all right, this is the squad, <laughs> or did they, until that, that trophy was, you know, hoisted? Well, I know exactly when I, when I figured it out. Mm. Our, our starting point guard was gone. We bust down the Lethbridge for a two-game series. Great parents, trip. No, not great at all. <laughs> I hated Lethbridge. Anyhow, did anyone actually like it other than people who play for Lethbridge, you know? Yeah. Good point. Good point. So my parents were there to watch me play and, uh, 
at, you know, this season I'm averaging about 18 a game and that game I scored two. Like I was terrible, like utterly terrible. And, you know, I'm, I get a backdoor layup. I'm wide open. I'm, I throw it off the backboard and it bounces clear off the other side. Like I was terrible, but we won. So we won with me. I was the leading scorer that year. I was terrible. Our starting point guard wasn't there and we still won. So I go back to the, to the hotel and I'm trying to go to sleep at night, but I can't sleep. I'm just like, I'm talking to Jay Johnstone, my roommate. I'm like, dude, we're winning nationals this year. And he's like, just go to sleep. I'm like, no, like we're winning nationals this year. Dude, listen, Greg Badger wasn't here this weekend. I scored two points. We were terrible today and we still won. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment for me. I don't know if everybody else was convinced, but that was my moment. It sounds like a foolish time. But so the next day I go to shoot around and coach takes me aside. He says, so you scored two points last night. I'm like, yeah. He said, well, what was different? I said, I don't know. You know, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Wasn't mentally prepared. Just a bad night. Whatever it was, coach. He says, no, I think it was because your parents were here. I said, what? He says, yeah, I think it's because your parents were here. He says, it better change tonight or your parents aren't welcome anymore. <laughs> and I kind of look at him and he's dead serious. I'm yeah. like, oh, crap. All right. Anyhow, I took care of business. So my parents were allowed to come the rest of the there season. There you go. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> de- and this is definitely pre, uh, hey, mom and dad, here's the live stream link to the game, right? So, oh, yeah. There's no the live stream link. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, too, when you're you're going through and you're just naming the names and teammates that you were able to play with, like, just to touch on, you know, Don, I mean, we've already had him on the show, but, like, his ability to recruit talent, like... Yeah. I mean, your guys' yeah. teams could match up with anyone. I mean, everyone thinks that, right, that wins a title or whatever, but the talent, you know, 1 through 12 for you guys, come on. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. You know, he was very, very eager to pick off BC boys from the interior, right? Because yeah. UBC and UVic typically wouldn't bother with them, right? They didn't believe that Prince George or Kelowna or the Okanagan or the Kootenays, where I'm from, had talent. But if you look at our roster, we had Darren Simonuk, Mark Simonuk, Jay Johnstone, myself, uh, Greg Sale. Oh, I sure Sales hope I'm not PG, missing think, anybody. Right? Sales PG. Yeah. I mean, but these guys are all major players, if not starters, on our on national championship teams, right? So he was a smart man. He knew where to target. Yeah, yeah. When do you think the boys realized that the championship run was was going to be there? Was there a big game or was it just you got hot and, and the season went well, league went well? Well, I mean, we were consistently really strong. We were 18-2 and two in league. That's right. So, uh, you know, we were pretty phenomenal. In the Can West, like, I'm yeah, assuming back in this those is still days, back, yeah, back-to-back Friday, Saturday on the road. That yeah. Man. And you're only playing, you're only playing UVic, UBC, Lethbridge, Calgary, Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. That's it. Four times Mm -hmm. each. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow. It was tough. I mean, even going to Lethbridge and getting a sweep was tough, right? Absolutely. It was. So 18 and two was, is, uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that record. We had, we, we did well. However, then we go into playoffs and, uh, we're hosting Calgary and we drop game one. Oh, no. Best of three, and we dropped game one. So, of course, I'm married at the time, and I can't sleep. I got I get hives that night because I'm telling you, since Lethbridge, I'm like, dude, we're winning national title. And I'm sitting there in bed going, I can't win a national title if I lose to Calgary. Like, there's no way, even though we're ranked number one in the country, there's no way we're getting the nationals if we lose in the Can West semifinals, right? 
you know, again, second uh, game two, I think we kind of laid the wood to them, but game three was tight the whole way, the whole way down the stretch. And uh, at one point, you know, they passed it. Bonnie, Richard Bonnie passes to Jeff Smith and he rises up for a two hand power dunk. Like, and this is, you know, maybe a minute left in the ball game. And if he dunks this, this is ball game. Clayton Pottinger, once again, comes out of nowhere, blocks him. The place goes berserk. It was awesome. It was so phenomenal. Yeah. That block, that block saved our bacon. Yeah. Interesting. And then you win, win the three game on, on Sunday. Make them tip off. Make them tip off at like noon. They're all tired. Yeah, that's and just right. Run them out of the house, right? That was the worst, man. That was so hard. Yeah, three games and well, however many hours that was. That's not many hours. No, it was crazy. Yeah. And then, did you guys win Can West? I mean, I'm guessing you won Can West. Went in number one yeah. seed. Well, we went in as uh, number two. McMaster was number one. Uh, we beat UBC in the final of Can West, and then uh, we played St. Mary's first game at Nationals. And uh, so St. Mary's, of course, as you've heard on other podcasts, if, you've, if people have listened, that St. Mary's is pretty much a home team there. Yeah. The place was absolutely packed. And, man, I, it was just it was awesome, awesome atmosphere. It was just so exciting and to play in that atmosphere. You know, you got 10,000 fans. Every one of them despises you because, yeah. <laughs> like, what, there's five people there cheering for the Bears, right? Yeah. My parents and a couple others, right? So, Yeah. yeah. And that game went to overtime. No way. So overtime with them. Yeah, that was sweet. That was a really fun, fun game. You just thought you'd make the week a little bit longer for yourselves? Yeah. <laughs> well, just <laughs> some would say I just wanted to score more, right? So There I you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that final buzzer goes and you guys hoist the trophy. Talk about that. All the, everything they've been through, the hours you've put in, you reached the pinnacle in, in Canadian basketball. Amazing yeah. moment for you and your teammates. Yeah, absolutely, right? It's just surreal, really, because, you know, that was coach's first. It was my first, you know, growing up in Nelson. We never won any tournaments. We never won nothing. Like, so to win the national final and to be introduced, you know, starting guard from Nelson, BC, and, and that kind of stuff is, is pretty... Uh, it's just pretty cool, right? Because mm-hmm. growing up, you know, I watched all the Final Fours, and you know, you always see the starting lineups, and it's just a, it's just a neat thing to be able to say you've been a part of, and Absolutely. Uh, and a great group of guys to have accomplished that with. It was really, it's a great memory. Yeah, we had the fortune of winning the AAA's in 2014, and mm-hmm. we started off really poorly that year, and the guys just weren't inspired. And I remember I caught a live radio show. Billy Donovan was still in Florida. Yep. And uh, you could call in. I was like, I'm going to give this a go. It's a 1-800 number, right? So I just called <laughs> in and I said, you know, what was the hardest part about, because they went back to back, right? And he kind of went on that and just talked a little bit about the challenges of doing that and how hard it really was. And I never forget Richie Chambers, after we won, he was like, you know, the hardest thing you're going to go through will be your next season. He's like, it's the yeah. most challenging thing. You guys pull it off. Yeah. How? How does that happen? Just everyone's still hungry. Were there some fresh young guys that kept you going? Or did you know that your bucket wasn't full yet? I mean, you're still your third year now, right? No, your fourth year. Sorry. Fourth year. Um, Yeah. So I won in my third. Yep. So now I'm going, trying to get back to back in my fourth. And I mean, it sounds really selfish, but Murray Cunningham won MVP of the national uh, national tournament the year before in my third year. And so... I wanted that, mm. right? 
I wanted to achieve that, not because Murray didn't deserve it. He absolutely deserved it, right? But that was just another thing to push me, right? To push me to try to improve my personal game, to try to push me to perform the whole way through, not just here and there and here and there, right? Like, but every time. And we got in, that's when we brought in Greg Sale, uh, Jay Johnstone returned, Peter Nechtel came to the team. So there's our fresh blood and uh, they filled in for the re- uh, the seniors that graduated. We were 16 and four in Can West, but the the fire still burned very, very hot because, mm-hmm. you know, one was not enough for us. No, we, def- we desperately wanted another one. Take us through that start of the national championship and, and getting there. And, and um, I mean, so then you guys are, you guys are 34 and six for two years in Canada West league. Like that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it's yeah, pretty those impressive. Six, those six games are really bothersome because I want them of back. Course. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, we get to nationals and we were just comfortable there. Like we were confident in ourselves and we knew what we did and everybody played their role. Right. Uh, most guys, uh, you know, outsiders that looked at our team, we weren't really an impressive team, right? Our point guard was pretty small. I was small. You know, Murray was a beast, but, you know, similar to you, he was a smaller beast, right? Like yeah. a shorter mm-hmm. beast. All right. He's six, five, but we, like I said, we knew our roles. Coach had us trained really well as far as this is how we operate. And we were, because we'd been, the team was relatively old but you know most of us were third fourth years so we'd been training in the same offense for that amount of time and the same defenses so we knew the counters right we knew the reads we knew the counters likewise on defense we knew where each other was going to be and we Mm -hmm. played really well off each other and this is the thing that we're talking about right is that first year thing is how sweet is basketball when those things happen like probably things that Don didn't even teach you guys. You're just instinctively making reads because it's like, you've just been around each other for so long. That's when it's like, that's when basketball is the best, you know, it's like, you don't even need to call a set. Right. And it's just like, and then, you know, you're playing Lethbridge or whoever at Calgary and they're like, that's not on the scout. It's like, yeah, because we've just been together. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, that's exactly the reason why I quit playing men's league so quickly after university. Right. Because that's gone. It's so painful, but that is, and it's just so, refreshing to play with dudes that only care about the final score right that's it that's all we cared about we cared about winning and if we lost it didn't matter if somebody had 20 we lost that's the only thing that mattered to us and uh yeah everybody was for the team and yeah we wanted to achieve our individual goals absolutely but not at the risk of hurting our team yeah no for sure and i think to to touch on is the reason that I personally think the Canada West thing is so impressive is because, you know, you had, you know, the college league, look at the teams that are now in Can West, right? So every player on those, on UVic, on UBC, on Calgary are the upper echelon of players in our country, right? Yeah. Not that the college guys weren't good enough, but, you know, it takes time. But if you're on a roster, there's none of this like, well, our 12th guy can't really play. Your 12th guy could probably play on a lot of teams, you know? Absolutely. And mm. that, that 12th guy pushes you hard in practice. I was going to say, how's practice? It must be in... Yeah. It's, yeah. Just Knock down Drago, right? Because yeah. 
And I never felt safe. It didn't matter that I was entering my my fifth year or entering my fourth year. I never felt safe. Like when you and Mahar came up, I remember thinking, oh, crap, like I got to beat these guys out, right? Like there's always new people coming in and there's nothing saying they ain't going to beat my, take me, uh, you know, beat me out of my spot. It's not yeah. my spot. It's the team spot. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's tough, man. Those, those years were tough. It, I really missed that aspect of the Can West. Yeah. No, I know. I agree. Yeah. It's diluted. It's diluted. Not to say that, like you say, not to say that that college uh, league wasn't outstanding. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you just, uh, it only makes sense. If you reduce the number of teams, every player on those teams is going to be stronger. Without question. It's yeah. just simple, simple numbers. And then uh, you're obviously a super competitive guy. You can hear it in your voice and how, and you know, and how you talk and your words. You guys almost pull off the three-peat. Yeah. We don't have to go there for too much, but I mean, like, <laughs> I'll take the soft approach. You'll you'll take the competitive, but I mean, just the fact that it was even that close. Yeah, I mean, come on now, you guys are a dynasty. You're up there with the best CIU U Sports CIS teams of all time, and no one can take that away. Not that that matters. That's all anybody's hearsay and their own debate. Yeah. But to be able to do that over a three year span, it's pretty damn impressive. But I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure that locker room sucked. Oh man, that, yeah. it's that's the. There's no other word for it. It sucked, yeah. you know. And uh, winning one is one thing. The second one is harder mentally, right? And then of course winning the third is the same. It's the mental thing. And if we look back at it, I think that's really where we fell short. I don't think we were as skilled as our the two years previous. We went 14 and six in the league, uh, so we're still pretty good. We got to nationals with a wild card because we couldn't beat UBC. Okay. UBC with Ken Morris, John Dumont, Gerald Cole, all these guys. They were great, Eric Butler. They were great. I think we played them seven times that year. Holy smokes. <laughs> seven times, and they had our number, dude. They, If we played them seven times, they beat us six. Yeah. And this is, this is before nationals. So we're pretty confident that we're one of the best teams in the country. But UBC is our monkey. And UBC's got to be confident they're one of the best teams in the country because we know we are, and they're beating us every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the draw comes out for nationals, and we're on the same side. So we play UBC in the semifinals. And, I mean, yeah, I'm super happy to say we beat them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was crushing to them because they had our number. But it's tough to beat a team when they shoot 75% on you, right? And I think that's what we did that night. Like, what? Yeah, as a team. <laughs> Like it's pretty hard. So I was waiting for you to say free throw line. I was like seventy five from the free throw line is not that impressive, but you didn't no, say no, free no, throw no. line. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking overall from the two that and the three. Is friggin' wild! Holy smokes, that is tough. So anyhow, mentally, like I was saying, I think that's the that's the trick that we missed. And when we beat UBC, that was our monkey. That was almost like our national title because to us, mm. they were our competition. And uh, and we overlooked Brandon. And, and I mean, it's foolish to say we overlooked Brandon when they got, you know, Keith Vassell and, and Sean Gray and Ewan Roberts. Yeah. But uh, it's hard to overlook that guy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but you know what? I, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from Brandon, obviously, because they beat us. Right. Yep. And even if we had been more mentally prepared, they might have still beaten us. But I, I do think I'm disappointed with how we 
turned it around from semifinal Saturday to final Sunday morning, I don't think we were top notch mentally ready. Yeah. And who knows what you the other results Because you have to be. Have to be. Talk about yeah. the turnaround in the short game span. Like, I, I, I couldn't believe it either. I was like, this super emotional roller coaster against Western. I'm like, we're playing at what time tomorrow? Like, oh my God. And then it's you're, crazy, right? Your adrenaline. And then it's like, good luck trying to sleep, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And then it, TSN had us on TV, of course, but the yeah. thing before us was a, a NASCAR race that went extra okay. laps. Oh, so no. They, so they drained the clock from 20 minute warm up to, to five and then they put it back up at 20. So that, that didn't help. Really? But, but I'm just, yeah, but I'm just, you know, grasping at straws here. Ewan and, <laughs> Ewan and Keith and Sean, they were, they were dialed in, man. They, of course. They were awesome. They were awesome. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, I mean, mean, yeah, it's obviously painful. Yeah, for sure. You can hear it. Do you, do you still want to talk or are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm a little older. I didn't sleep for a lot of months afterwards, but I'm Fair a little enough. older now. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then what's the next step after, you know, an illustrious Hall of Fame career? What's the next move for you? Well, you know, I had tried out for the national team the year before entering my fifth year. And I was one of the later cuts. So that was pretty disappointing. And then the next year, my assistant coach, Nevin Gletti, had a role with the national team. And he called me and he just said, listen, you got to come to the national team tryout. I've talked with the coach. They're pretty interested in you. If you're ever going to make a national team, you got to come. Mm-hmm. But but I was I was drained, man. I had I had put everything I had into my five years at university, and to be honest, the national team was never part of my uh, vision growing mm-hmm. up. Right, being from Nelson, I never even heard about the national yeah. team. I didn't even know it existed, quite honestly. Yeah. So I just didn't have the wherewithal to push myself to train uh, for those and. Uh, I didn't go for it. And if, you know, you, I know you're going to ask me one of my, if I could do it over again in the future, that, that'd be the one thing, right? Like I've mm-hmm. always kind of wondered, could I have, could I have worn the national colors and played for our country? I think that would have been really cool. I don't know if I would have made it. I do have a little bit of regret that I didn't try. So yeah, but from there, you know, I was married, like I mentioned, and uh, I got a teaching job out here in, uh, in Abbotsford. And, and since then, I've been uh, teaching and coaching and raising up my kids and yep. hunting and yep. fishing and having a good old time. Yeah, I think, you know, as, as hard as it is to reflect and think about the what if, I think there's also something powerful. There's a time for all of us as athletes of realizing who we are without sport, right? And it's hard on the ego. It's hard on a bunch of things because those things bring us attention and fun times and memories. And then it's like, to be able to find when that moment is, it's a powerful time and there's no right or wrong, but for you to be able to know, I mean, who knows, maybe you do crack this roster and you kind of grind overseas for a few years and your body starts to break down and then, but then you're maybe you're five years behind from where you wanted to be. You know, I just, yeah, it was fair to think that way to yourself because something was telling you, Hey, you've given this your all. It's okay to move on to the next phase. And then you have some special moments, right? You get to coach your boy yeah. Right. And, you know, and just so many things that I think replace any national championship to, to go through some of the things as a dad that you've been able to experience are pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm immensely blessed, right? Like the life I lead is fantastic. It's just a, just one of the things you look back on, you go, of course, hmm, I really wonder what would that have been like? Right. And, uh, but you're right. It's, uh, at that time I was done. 
You know, I had I had given everything I had into trying to a quite honestly, my goal was to be the best that ever played for the Golden Bears. That was my goal. When I was a kid, was, my goal was to be the best that ever played for LV Rogers and Nelson. And then it was to be the best that ever played for U of A. And I never had that vision for beyond. And I yeah. also had just poured myself out. That's what I got to. And that's probably all I could have gotten to. But yeah. hey, it was fun along the way. <laughs> well, if you find the right round table and steak and lobster house in, in Alberta, in Edmonton somewhere, you're deaf. That name's coming up, man. There's, there's been some special <laughs> players through that program. One of the best programs Absolutely. for, right? There's definitely, there's a few guys that would be having a, a pint or a Ryan Ginger and throwing your name out saying, come on, it's my boy. He's, he's the uh, goat. That's nice of you. That's nice of you. <laughs> I think sure. Jer- uh, Jordan Baker's taken that over quite well, but that's all right. Pretty solid. He's pretty solid. I, yeah. That's okay. I still remember uh, his mom was my, yeah. uh, was my professor for basketball. And so... I mentioned to you, I married, uh, I was married going into my third year and my wife also played basketball. Okay. So periodically this coach professor would not be able to make it to basketball class. So she'd ask me and my wife to run basketball, (laughs) right? So we'd run the basketball class, which is fine. No problem. No big deal. Whatever. But what came the problem was when she gave me a B in individual offense. Yeah, man. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Of all the categories to get a B in? in? Individual outfits, a B. <laughs> Have you had the chance to talk to her about this? Well, you know, when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, yeah. she got inducted at the same time. And I actually dropped that on the uh, Hall of Fame video. So we were sitting beside each other on the day, uh, on the stage and she just looked at me and she says, I gave you a B? A B? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, you did. And I'm never forgetting. <laughs> maybe uh, if your wife took your name, maybe it was the wrong DeVries. I don't know. I'm just trying to help you out. Maybe, maybe, maybe she just wasn't paying attention when she was putting the marks in. I think that must is have been amazing, accident, right? Yeah. That yeah. is amazing. That's my, that's my claim to fame. I got to be <laughs> so good. You're out in the Abbotsford area, which is growing and developing and changing. Holy smokes, every time I drive through that area, it's just nutty. Yeah, it is. But you go to your favorite spot for some snacks. What bag of chips are you grabbing? i got to get some hard bite. And I love the jalapeno hard bite. Those ones are awesome. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll eat pretty much any chip, but hard bite, they're my go-to. Okay. Have you had the pleasure of meeting Kirk from Hard Bite? Absolutely. Kirk and I uh, coached some teams and competed against each other a number of times. Yep. Awesome. We've got their uh, we've got their senior team coming to our tournament this year, so I'm stoked to have oh, them. Because yeah, shout out the hard bite. Nice, good call. Who've been some of the most important people in your life up to this point? Well, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I got to say Jesus Christ. Right. I know some people don't believe he was a person that walked this earth, but I do, and absolutely, I attribute all of my life to him so i'm gonna go with that not even well you've already mentioned your wife a handful of times you well, won't get in trouble oh, okay i'll say my wife as well how's there that you <laughs> i mean if there's if there's one person she you, just walked in right now now perfect. i'm in trouble now no I'm in trouble. no oh, it's, you know, you're talking right? yeah no, 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 you're good i mean if there's one person you're gonna replace for your my wife it might as well be you know the big man himself the big right? jc well yeah that'd be the only option shout out <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you like music? Uh, I'm not a big music guy. I listen to podcasts. Love to hear it. What, what kind of what podcast do you listen to? Do you, do you like more than other than, you know, the top hoops journey? You know, when you have time for the others, what else do you listen to? Well, I'm a daily Dan Patrick show listener. Okay. Doesn't he have a great voice? I love Dan Patrick. He's awesome. But uh, yeah, I listen to a lot of different podcasts. Um, uh, Business Wars. Uh, shoot. Put you on the spot here. I can't even remember the name of them right now. But yeah, podcast. I like the podcast for entertainment, a. But I also like the podcast just uh, for learning purposes, right? It's great. Yeah, yeah. On my daily commute, just to plug in a podcast and and learn something new that otherwise I'd just be sitting there driving. And sorry, we ruined your Saturday morning. We'll do our best to. Uh, I'll tell you what. Keep that up. Yeah. When I first heard about a hoops journey, it was uh, right before I was heading north for a hunting trip. It's a sixteen-hour okay. drive. I downloaded like all of those podcasts and I listened the whole way. I was like, this is awesome. It got me through the whole drive. Perfect. There we go. Love to hear it. Do you read much? Yep. Yep. Pretty avid reader. Okay. What's some of your favorite books all time or something you read recently that you would recommend? doesn't matter where or what. doesn't have to be sports or it could be anything. Well, I got to say the Bible. That would be a great one for people to read, right? As a, as a believer, that would be a great book to read. Um, right now I'm reading... Shoot, what book am I reading? I'm sorry, Aaron. It's all good. I Love forgot it. forgot this question. What's the book I'm reading? You got me. Are you like a book in hand kind of guy? Yeah. Are you an e-reader? What do you got? I'm an e-reader, yeah. yeah. You know Malcolm Gladwell? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, one of his really famous books, Outliers, from a number of years ago, that's a pretty good read. And he's got a number of books that I find really interesting. He's got the economic perspective on the world and... It's interesting. He's got awesome. that podcast too, the Revisionist History. That's a very interesting podcast. Very yeah. great, very good podcast. Yeah, there you go, sure. Corpse. There you go, Corpse. Well done, Corpse. Thanks for helping me out. <laughs> He's here. He's the man of the people. How do you feel about ketchup on macaroni? Never. A, I'm not going to eat ketchup. But B, you're a rather well-to-do guy, like a teacher. I know we don't make lots, but you make enough. Why are you eating macaroni? I have an almost five-year-old, man. So, you know, just get a little side bowl at the end. Nah, see, here's the catch. You feed them the macaroni, but you make something good for yourself. That's how I live. It's true. You're right. And that's what does happen. But, you know, there's the odd Saturday afternoon. I'm like, I'm not motivated to make anything right now. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. But I am very proud of you for the anti-ketchup choice that makes both Corbin and ourselves. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Who are some of the greatest players you played against? You've talked about a bunch of your great teammates, but... Who along the way were like, wow, that was, those those guys could really hoop? Well, uh, like I said, I played with Steve Nash. So, okay, I'll, he's bar, definitely the best, right? Of course, at the time, he was just a high school kid graduating with a Santa Clara. So he wasn't the superstar that he would become. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at National Trouts, I played against uh, Rowan Barrett. So yes. uh, RJ Barrett's Kena. father. Time out here. Yeah. Just talk talk to the people about how good Rowan Barrett was because I feel oh, like my goodness, like I feel like for whatever reason now maybe if you're in Ontario you wouldn't he wouldn't get out but how did he not yeah. crack the NBA you know what I mean yes okay go for it phenomenal for it. like talk to the people phenomenal athletic skilled and he's a lefty so it's just everything I could do to. Uh, you touch him as he went by me, really, right? Like, I mean, the guy was a stud. He was an absolute mm. stud. I was very impressed with him. But then I'm going to go 
My, the best one I ever played against was Michael Porter Sr. Wow. So Michael Porter Sr., of course, he was just Mike Porter when I knew him, but he played for uh, University of New Orleans, and he was a baller. Like, I played him a number of times uh, between my first and second year at Trinity Western. He was up here running, uh, working basketball camps for athletes in action. And he was a stud. He was really good. He was very impressive. So just every aspect, every aspect of him, like the pull-up jumper right in your face was something. Like, you must love hearing the stories because it it, they're always memories for me too of the days of working camp and then just hooping after, right? Yeah, right. the wee hours. And then just getting up and doing it all over again. And by Wednesday, you're, you know, you're sick of a few kids because they're whiny. But then you're like, okay, <laughs> hang in there. A, I'm getting paid or I'm going to have fun. And then I get to hoop after this, you know. So those are some of the best times. The only reason you're doing those camps is to play the hoops at the night. 100%. Like, like I mean, yeah, you, you like coaching. Now is much different than then. But yes. back then, it's like, come on, man. I'm there to play ball at night with all yeah. these studs because that yeah. was good ball. <laughs> Yeah. Not afraid to admit it. I love it. Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. Bar none. Was he your favorite player growing up too? Well, like I said, I had nobody to compete against uh, mm -hmm. back in Nelson. So I would watch everything, everything I could get a hold of. Everything. Like I took a VCR to Nationals to record basketball games when I was at Nationals so I could watch Come them. On. Oh, no yeah. way. Every game I could see, I would watch. I'd, I'd watch it because I would try to pick up everything, right? But so, yeah, I loved Isaiah Thomas. I loved Kevin Johnson. I loved those Tim Hardaway. You know, I'd try to mimic their moves in the backyard and try to develop my game that way. But MJ's the GOAT for you? MJ's the GOAT. Absolutely. I mean, LeBron, when they beat when he beat the, the Warriors the other year, that was some. That was some kind of leadership and some kind of performance. But but Jordan did that every time, right? And LeBron's farmed himself around to try to find the super teams. Jordan never had to do that. And they, some people will say, oh, yeah, but he had Scotty. Do you know who Scotty was when he got drafted? He was a nobody. Arkansas right? Little Rock, baby. Exactly. Nobody thought he was any good. And so, but Scotty... Being around Jordan and, of course, training and all the rest of it grows into that. And I, I attribute that to Michael. So It's one thing a lot of people don't bring up. It's a great point, right? Is like, did Scotty didn't all of a sudden become Scotty? It was like, he probably got his butt kicked by Jordan. And, and you know, you have to, being around it, you have to learn from it, right? You or, have, else, well, or you demand a trade and you're like, get me out of here because I can't handle it, right? So, that's right. Go back to those bad boy Pistons when they beat up the Bulls. They weren't only beating up... Uh, Michael, they beat up Scotty so bad that he took himself out of game sometimes, right? Remember like, he had that big welt on his forehead yeah. the one game? Yeah, that oh, thing yeah. was nasty. And he, he had, had the, he had mi the, the migraines. migraines. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, let's it. not forget, like, BJ Armstrong won a world title with Michael, right? Like, that was the starting point guard. So that, it's got to be Michael. Boom. We've already done the, uh, if we could do it all again. But before we let you go, you know, this was an amazing episode. I loved how you know, you've been on our radar. We were going to reach out, but kind of just caught you, you know, chatting back and forth and thrilled that you're able to just so quickly be with us. But um, any last reflections or thoughts? You know, we appreciate your support of the show and, and coming and join with us. But do you feel like you missed anything or anything you want to say before uh, you're on your way? No, I think I, I hope I got it. I, I hope I don't sound like a fool. Uh, Corbs, hope... man. He was way better than he advertised himself. Am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> 
made it sound like it was going to be 17 minutes of a hoops journey and then on the way. No, no, I did. It's awesome. Nah, I mean, you know, like I told you, I think you're, the podcast is awesome. I love hearing guys' stories and I, I really encourage uh, you guys to keep doing it and uh, other people who are hesitant to, to join in because it sure is fun hearing about the stories of similar minded people, right? And the pursuits of excellence that they've, uh, that they've led. Yeah. Thanks. And, and I think the cool part too is, you know, like I listen to all the smoke and I listen to knuckleheads and, but those are American, like they're, well, they're not always American, but they're, they're people that aren't tangible. I can't reach out, you know, but yeah. like I sat next to Greg DeVries when I was like 17 years old and was like, that's Greg DeVries. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and it's kind of like, we feel like it's kind of the Canadian version and people can connect even closer with that. Right. And, and when they hear names and stories of people that they know or played against, it just makes for a fun time. And then we all realize just how small the basketball community is. Right. And that that's right. We all got to go to war and battle against each other. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a small little thing and we all got to support each other through things, you know? That's right. And you know what else is super cool is when you hear about these connections that are coming from Canada basketball and going into those other realms, right? Like yeah. we've all heard of Steve Nash, but how many people have heard of uh, Al Whitley? Mm-hmm. Al Whitley, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, there's been a couple other guys that you've had on that I didn't know about at all. Jamma. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, their stories and, and uh, they're coming from Canada, which reminds me, this is one thing, other thing I got to say. Please. How many guys go down south to play college basketball last year? Do you know from Canada? I don't know. I think I looked it up last year. I think it was about somewhere around 60. I think it was around 60. Okay, so now we know that not every guy that's going down there is actually a player. Like, we know some of them are going down there because the best they could get up here is a red shirt and they thought they were better and whatever, right? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But let's just imagine that we had a system in Canada that would keep those guys here. We would be one of the Power Five conferences. 60 guys. 60 guys stay home? Oh my goodness. Carleton already competes with the American schools, right? Mm-hmm. But if you got 60 guys that stay home, there's only what? How many teams are in, in CIS? 30 plus 30 plus so every team gets another two players actually you know what i'm totally wrong because when i did the numbers it would have been every team would have got five players could you imagine if every single team in u sports got five players that were quality enough to go down south and play ball if they all stayed home if we had programs and if we had money and if we had sponsorships that would support that oh my goodness that that would change canada basketball forever it would be amazing I love that we're ending this way because I'm reading a book right now and it's the guy did a bunch of research about the greatest teams of all time. And it's, it's really good. And he digs yeah. and he dives deep and he does a lot of research. But they obviously talk about the New Zealand All Blacks a lot. And yeah. that's what they did. They changed their model. They, if, if you wanted to play for the All Blacks, you could not play professional rugby outside of New Zealand. Oh, wow. You, so yeah. the, the minute there you, you sign a contract, you are gone. You never you get go. to play for New Zealand. So they all yeah. stay at home. And the yeah. next thing you know, I mean, they changed their culture and did a bunch of stuff, but keeping them home and it was crazy. I mean, it's almost exactly on a amateur level what you're talking about. Love yeah. it. I, I can't fault any of the kids that are going down south and getting of full course. rides and playing in front of full buildings and all the sponsorship things that their opportunities are, are they're experiencing. But man, if we could keep them home, my goodness, it would be amazing. Right. It just that'd be my dream for Canada basketball, but I don't think I'll ever see it. Man, we've, we've heard a lot of stories on this uh, podcast. We've never had anyone leave anything, uh, uh, you know, something like that. That's something cool to think about. 
maybe there will be some sort of uh, rich sponsor that will listen to this episode and start the model. <laughs> but that would be fun. Man, wow. this was so cool. So, so you know, like so great to see your face. And, um, you know, next time we're around, see you at LEC or something, make sure you come say hi. Wishing Absolutely. you and your family, you know, continued success and health. And as we work towards, you know, getting through COVID and everything, you know, stay involved in the game. And thank you for everything you're continuing to do for the game. And thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. An absolute legend. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me, Corbin. Thanks for the work you're doing with this podcast. You're doing a great job. Amazing episode. Thanks to our sponsors, Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing. See you on the next one.